Psalm 23. So I ask you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 23. This is message number five in our six-part series of this great psalm. And uh, I'm proud of you for making an outreach uh, today. I don't know if we're going to make it back for that. We'll see how that goes. <clears throat> but uh, to do things like this to reach out, I think, is important for every church family. And uh, not only for the church family, but it also gives opportunities for contacts to um, share the glorious gospel. People are still searching, uh, whether you realize it or not, and trouble is they're looking at other things that this old world offers. But we're going to look at uh, Psalm 23 today, one verse. Let's start by reading it. Psalm 23, together, ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And if you notice uh, verse 5, that's where we're at. I'm going to read that verse again. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So we're talking about the Lord Jesus as our great shepherd and chief shepherd and good shepherd. That's what the scripture teaches about him being the shepherd. So there's three phrases today we're going to look at. Un, du toi. If you know French, un, du toi. If you know Spanish, it's Uno, two, three, something like that. Now, this side redeemed themselves over here. So, if you have your notes, we, the first phrase is, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I want to start off with the story of Charles Wesley. He's a great hymn writer, and uh, <clears throat> his brother was a great preacher of righteousness and uh, the gospel message. And uh, so the, he came from a really good family. Anyway, Charles Wesley was standing one day and uh, looking out of a kind of a partially open window, kind of watching the, the weather. And it was a fierce storm outside, and he was looking at that, and, and um, it was just howling. And then what happened, a young robin that was uh, flying, uh, quickly passing, other birds came right through the window and flew to his breast. He was seeking shelter, a robin in a storm. And he was so moved by that, Charles Wesley, he wrote a wonderful hymn, number 21. Look in your hymn book, number 21. It's a great hymn. It's called Jesus Lover of My Soul. And you notice the words, Jesus Lover of My Soul, let me to thy bosom fly. That's exactly what the experience he had when that young robin. While the nearer waters roll, while the tempest 
still is high. Safe into the haven guide. Excuse me. Hide me, O my Savior, hide. Till the storm of life is past. Safe into the haven guide. O receive my soul at last. Now, of course, I, I can't do justice with that because I don't have a voice today. But you see the, the whole thing here about you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, let's, let's look at this. Our great shepherd is our refuge. Are we not safe in him from our foes? And you have three great enemies. I'll tell you that. If you're a born-again believer, you have three great enemies. Not greater than the Lord, but you have three great enemies. And by the way, back then, there was a custom that when you defeated a foe, you paraded them before you while you were feasting. And that's where that phrase comes, I think. It, it, they simply marched past as, a, as you were feasting uh, and recognizing they were defeated and you were victorious. So I don't know if that was part of that or not, but that was a custom back then. So the New Testament teaches the enemies of the people of God. Here's three of them. And never forget this because it's important that you know what you're up against. Number one, the world system. You know we live in a world system that does not recognize God, does, that, does not love believers at all and what we stand for. In John chapter 15, verse 18 and 19, says this. Jesus speaking, he said, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world will love you. The world will love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, I think it's obvious that when you come to know Christ, there's blessings galore. But all of a sudden, I remember this clearly, because I was not quite 20. I had a lot of friends. When I accepted Christ as my Savior and things began to change, I wanted to kind of keep those friends, but they didn't want me anymore because of the change. I didn't do the things that they did anymore. And uh, it was just part of the world system. The world system wants you to think that you are just a victim of circumstances. They want you to think that you're just an animal, a high, a high animal you're not. No animal was ever created in the image of God. No animal was ever breathed into life from God's breath other than mankind. The world system wants you to think you evolved from the muck of the Nile River instead of created by a glorious God who has a wonderful plan for you. The world system doesn't like you. It's your enemy. And the sad thing about it, after 48 years of ministry, I still see believers, some, trying to have one foot in the world and one foot with the Lord, and that doesn't work. you got to remember who your enemy is in the world system. If you look at John 16, 33, by the way, that's not in your, your uh, notes. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I love that song. wonder if you guys know it. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
You know, did anybody recognize it? Ah, one, two, three. Now that's an external enemy or foe. Your next enemy is the flesh. Galatians 5.17 talks about it. In Galatians 5.17, we read this. For the flesh, that's the old man, the old nature, before you were born again. The flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. You can read Romans 7 and see that Paul had the same problem. The things he wanted to do, sometimes he didn't do. The things he didn't want to do, sometimes he did do. Because there's the war of both natures going on inside of you. And the one that wins is the one you're going to feed. And uh, this flesh is an internal foe. And it's very, very dangerous because it feeds along with the world system. The flesh is a is a uh, is an enemy. The Bible calls it the flesh, and there's other terms for it. The old nature, that which is totally opposed to all that God wants to do in your life, that's called the flesh. So you fight that, and you have victory. By the way, you go from Romans seven to Romans eight, and you find that through the Spirit of God, you can have victory over the flesh. In fact, Paul put it this way. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The old man he put on that cross every day. Jesus said it this way, if any man follow me, let him take up his cross daily. And remember that you're living this moment, this day for the Lord Jesus and not for yourself. Even though we have to work, we have to do things with our family. I understand all that, so does God. But the flesh wants you to do your own thing. I had a call this week when I was in Michigan. There was a time in my life uh, I taught at a large Christian school for 10 years, as well as pastor a country church called Newburgh Norton Bible Church. I never did figure out why a name like that, but we were there seven years while I, pastor, while I uh, taught at the uh, school. And from time to time, there would be a student in the high school that gave everybody trouble, gave their parents trouble, and you wondered why they were at the Christian school to begin with. And uh, though I was the Bible teacher, they stuck me with uh, counseling some of these troubled kids and uh, got a call from a young lady who refused to listen. I taught her for two years and counseled for a while at the end there with her and warned her that when you rebel against your parents, and you rebel against the Lord, and you want to just go do your own thing and live for yourself, you're going to regret it. And you plead with sometimes with people like that. She wouldn't listen. So she got kicked out of school. I didn't do it, but the board did, or whoever was responsible. And because uh, she was just sowing discord and doing bad stuff in the school with the other students. And so <clears throat> many prayers went up for her. But I got a call, and this young lady said, Thank you, thank you, Pastor Olson, for all you put into my life years ago when I didn't want to hear it, but I did hear it. And sometimes you have ministry where you wonder, even if you're, you know, you're just spinning your wheels, you know what I'm saying? And you wonder if anything's taken effect. Well, you may get a call 30-some years later, and this woman who is now a grandmother, <clears throat> she shared... <laughs> shared with me 
that she made terrible bad decisions. She said, I guess you would call me the woman at the well. I'm on my third husband. And, and, uh, but I want you to know, 12 years ago, my husband and I gave our lives completely to the Lord. We've been walking with Him for uh, 12 years now. My husband went to uh, uh, school. He's now an ordained minister. She's a pastor's wife. Now, if you'd have told me she was a pastor's wife way back then, uh, she's got trouble with her kids because of the lifestyle she lived. But she knows the grace of God. She knows the forgiveness of God. And she knows that she still has time to walk with him. And what a blessing that was. She said, the last few years I started three letters to you and chickened out mailing them. I said, you mail them. I, I keep that stuff from past people. That's just such a blessing to my own heart. And I asked her to send a picture of her hubby too. But I want to tell you something. And I can't say it clear enough, especially to any young person that's here. When you go off in rebellion against the Lord, and uh, at, at this point in your life, you're still under the authority of your parents, you don't listen to them, you're going to be in trouble. God has created an umbrella of protection called your parents. And underneath that, there's a big umbrella called the Lord. And if you take yourself out from under that, you're going to expose yourself to Ephesians chapter 6, where it says the fiery darts of Satan. And I thank God this lady came back. I thank God for that. But she wished she'd have listened and responded. It would have saved her lots of grief. The flesh is a terrible enemy. Anyway, that's the internal foe. We had the external the world system, the internal, the flesh. And then, of course, you know about the devil. That's the infernal foe. You can read about him, and this is how he feels about you as a believer. In 1 Peter 5, uh, let's see, yeah, verse 8 and 9. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is not omnipresent, but he has a whole army. But that's what he's doing. Now, the Bible says a very important word in verse 9. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Let me say it again. It says resist. It does not say rebuke. Now you want to go one-on-one -on -one trying to rebuke the devil, you just be my guest. But I'll do what Michael the archangel said when he was striving with the devil over the body of Moses. He said, the Lord rebuke you. I'll go to the Lord because he's greater. Our job is to resist. Resist his moves in the faith, your faith, which is found in the Word of God. And everybody goes through this, the same, same thing. You have an enemy, and we are to resist that through the Word of God. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, what happened? Three times he answered with what? The Scripture, yes, the Word of God. And one of the specialized things he's doing the, these days is keeping believers away from the power and authority of the Word of God. 
There's where you get victory. So let's finish that one. In Christ, our great shepherd, we are more than conquerors, Romans 8, 37, through him that loved us. So the victory has been won at the cross, and we can claim that power and authority through the word of God. Resist him, okay? So you got the world system that hates you because it hates Jesus, and you belong to Jesus. You got the flesh that wants to do everything contrary to what God has planned the best for you. And then you have the devil who's walking about seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for weak believers who are not connected to the family of God, to the word of God or prayer or anything like that. You can resist him by walking with the Lord and applying the scripture in your life. Are you ready for the next one? Nobody said anything. Are you sad that I'm back? The next phrase, thou anointest my head with oil. I studied this out. I tried to figure out what it means, and um, I found out that the shepherd back then, and I suppose today, needed to be a physician. You're filling out your notes. Also, and he carried medicine in his belt for the sheep, and uh, oil was used to heal the wound of the sheep. And sometimes the Spirit of God is illustrated by oil in the New Testament. Anyway, how special is Christ's care when we get wounded at times in this life? Even self-inflicted wounds. When we make a stupid choice, a bad choice, or we know what we've done is not right, and we get a wound in our soul, God can heal. He can heal broken bodies, yes, but He can be, uh, heal broken hearts too, can't He? Is there any amens left? You know somebody who's been wounded in this life, let me tell you, you, there's a song called Pick Up the Broken Pieces and Bring Them to the Lord. He'll put them back together and make their life complete. The, second, the last phrase is, my cup runneth over. So, what does that mean? Well, my cup will overflow with the fountain of living waters. I'm going to read to you Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. When God was giving an indictment against Israel, he mentioned something in verse 13. He said, For my people have committed two evils. <coughs> Number one, they have forsaken me. Number two, uh, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. It all fits. All you got to do is go back to the woman at the well when Jesus said, You could ask of me, and I'll give you living water. Anyway, you've forsaken the one that can give you fountain of living waters. Number two, you've hewed yourself cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So if you want your cup full in this life, as the psalmist is saying here, <clears throat> my cup will overflow with the fountain of living waters as I live in touch with him. Also, do you remember what Jesus said in John 7 when he stood up on that great day, day of the feast? He says, any man athirst, let him come unto me, and out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. I don't know everybody's heart, but I know one thing. If your life is empty, 
it can be full, and the Lord can fill your cup. Blessing is the word to describe it. In your notes, it all stems from the New Testament cup of blessing, 1 Corinthians 10, 16, and 17. You can read about that. From which we remember and recognize these three blessings from Christ. You talk about communion. These three blessings from Christ for your cup to run over. Number one, the forgiveness of sin. And you think you've just got it one time, you're going to need it a lot. Because we're in a world that hates us, we have a flesh that wars against the soul, we have a devil that wants to destroy us. And got to be aware. The forgiveness of sin, number two, the next blessing is a fellowship with God, you and God, you and, you and the Lord, you and your great shepherd. Do you know him personally? Do you spend time with him? Okay. And the third blessing, in the fullness of joy. My cup runs over. Forgiveness of sin, fellowship with God, and fullness of joy. There's something that's not in your notes. If you have a pen or a pencil, you should jot down Isaiah 12, verse 2 and 3. I will read it for you. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Jehovah, the Lord, is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore... With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Yes, he prepares a table. He's our refuge. We're safe in his, in his care. We recognize the three great enemies. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We're safe in his care. He anoints our head. Or in other words, the healing wounds that we need in this life. My cup runs over with the fountain of living water as I live in touch with Him. And joy is His to give. Fill my cup, Lord. Hymn number 180 in your songbook. Fill my cup, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. I invite you to stand. 